So I'm over the moon to announce that we've got a new sponsor. It's BDO, who are the trusted accountancy and advisory firm that you may know. BDO is the perfect partner for our podcast, as we both love to help entrepreneurs build high-value businesses, and BDO are always there to help advise people like you on how to succeed. I had the pleasure of meeting a few of the team at the Publican Awards, and I found out they were massive fans of the podcast, were obsessed with the success of our industry, and also a million miles away from the grey-suited drones that you usually deal with. To check out more about BDO and how they can help you get to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Supersonic! 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up, tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today I've just finished up an amazing podcast with the most amazing human being who is Zan Kaufman from Bleecker Street Burger, to give it its Sunday name. Had a real blast meeting Zan. We're so lucky in the age that we live in that we can just connect with people willy-nilly over Instagram and that's exactly what we did. So I first saw Zan really when Bleecker was launching and I was always really excited because, you know, I'm fessing up as a fanboy. It is my number one go-to burger at all times. The sesame seed bun, the pink in the middle, the American cheese, what's not to like. A real iconic thing that Zan and the team have created and continue to deliver every single day. Liam, the brand director, was there as well on hand to take lovely photos and be part of it. So we recorded it in the Georgian House Hotel. Uh, So Adam and the team there, always doing a great job. Thank you for hosting us. Um, Really appreciate that. But we had the most wonderful chat, all about championing teams, championing food, championing, I think it was the Boston Bruins, I'm not so sure about that, but also really championing women in business and also just a lesson to just always be yourself and give a hundred percent to the thing that you have passion for and if you do that you'll be much more successful in business so it gives me the most burger stacked pleasure ever (laughs) (laughs) to have at the georgian house hotel today uh zan kaufman yeah Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm just so excited. <laughs> because as I've said many times, and it's going to piss off so many other people, but you are it for me. You are the burger, um, the only one in town. And when I'm living in Brighton now, and I keep telling the guys and girls down there, they're like, where can I get this burger? You know, and yeah. just, you know, so one of the guys comes into Victoria now and then, so... He has sampled and been quite delighted. So yeah, uh, um, and also we've been sort of joking a little bit before we started on the, the accent. So mm. I'm going to try and speak as slowly as possible. Yeah, Americans need you know anyone who's not American, we need people to speak very slowly because we're we're pretty uh, you know one minded when it comes to accents. <laughs> well, the gag usually is if you've seen Shrek, 
you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we usually do it. Yeah, that's true. Just give me the giggles a bit. There. <laughs> <laughs> so today then, we're going to yeah, just talk through you. It's almost a therapy session. You can lie down and oh, nice. tell I me all your problems. Those. <laughs> those, yeah. I'll tell you when your time is up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it was just starting at the start and mm. your background and your American Idol journey and all of these things to get to, yeah, to sort of now and why burgers and all these things. So it'd just be fascinating to know sure. what the background was and how you yeah. got here. I mean, it was uh, like 2010 and mm-hmm. I was living in New York City. I was a corporate lawyer um, and my college roommate's mom mm-hmm. ran a burger place in the East Village. So I went there to just say hello. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a beautiful space. It was like sort of really high-end burgers, but uh, one of her sons did paintings, so beautiful paintings on the wall, really nice bar. So not the typical type burger place you would imagine. Um, and she was starting Sunday brunch, and I was like, oh, could I be the bartender at brunch? Because um, I think periodically over my life, I always thought like somehow I would get into hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always thought, oh, well, you know, being a bartender would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and she... She said yes, so I think it like literally it was the next Sunday. You know, I all week researched how to make drinks and thought I was quite the expert. Um, and were you? I was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I I like put a lot of effort into it. You know, and, like yeah. we used all fresh stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and she was fanatical about that. So, but I'll get into that more in a bit. But she, you know, I went to work for her, and I think on the first shift, mm-hmm. you know. It, I had a meal. And at this point, like I was 20, I think I was 28. Okay. You know, I'm an American, you know, all we do is eat burgers, right? That's, the, <laughs> that's, that's what, we're, what we're good for. But I really didn't care about burgers. Mm. I had no interest in them. Like anytime I had a burger, it was a waste of time, a waste of calories. The bun was like, you know, sat in your stomach. And so I would never really order burgers, but, you know, had her burger and it, it, it instantly captivated me. Like yeah. when I say I fell in love with a burger, like at first bite, I really did. And it was so confusing. I was like, what? Everything that I've known my whole life about this product, mm-hmm. this quintessential American product had just been exploded. Um, and I became absolutely obsessed. Initially we talked about, you know, maybe we could do something together. And, you know, it was just like, it took me, by storm. I think anyone who finds passion sort of knows what I'm talking about when it just hits you like a ton of bricks and it's like everything you do. Like yeah. I was tied to my computer writing menus, like researching, and it was like a runaway train. Yeah. Um, so that was like the very beginning. And what about the corporate lawyer job? Was that just completely on the back burner at that point? Um, I, I think I quit within the next like couple of weeks but but it sounds much braver than it was I knew I was moving to London a year later right so I was gonna get married um so you know I was either gonna work for the next year being a lawyer or I was gonna do this and it was a pretty easy choice Mm -hmm. so I um you know dove into it learned everything I could from her she was such a like powerful matriarch um and it wasn't like she was this wizard of a businesswoman but she was fanatical about food you know she you know she lived and breathed it and if it wasn't good enough it went in the bin and like it just it really resonated with me and it like filled me up Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it it sits with me always in the back of my mind yeah so you know learned everything I could 
uh, and then a year later moved to London to marry my wife. So I was in London then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I was very fortunate because when I wanted to start this business, street food was exploding, yeah. as, was, as was burgers. So it's like we hopped on this wave. It was perfect timing. Um, originally, I wanted to open a restaurant, tried to raise some money, couldn't. So I bought a burger truck and started selling burgers from the street. So then uh, you came to London. What did you know of London before you got here? Uh, I knew a lot about Soho. Okay. <laughs> that tells a story. <laughs> I went to one semester of law school here mm-hmm. and I loved it. And that was, you know, some of my most fun days. I came here, met a whole bunch of lesbians and had instant best friends. And we went out in Soho every night and it was amazing. <laughs> um, and then I moved here actually for a year and mm-hmm. did more of the same. Um, and then grew up a bit and then went back to New York and... <laughs> Got a real job, but but so I still had those friends mm-hmm. and those you know I knew a lot about London. Um, so moving back, it felt like not like I was coming home, but I was coming to a place that I knew and loved, yeah. and I had like you know intimate knowledge of the place, independent of my wife and her family, which yeah. really eased the transition. So that, along with having this instant business, it was like oh, I just set myself up pretty nicely. <laughs> so. You come here, you go to the local second-hand car sales place, <laughs> I get, had, get a truck. I mean, so, I did all no, that. Work. I mean, so I was, I had gone to a Petro brand who runs um, Curb. Oh, yeah. She was having her first, um, it wasn't Curb at the time, she had her first sort of street food conference. Mm-hmm. And I went to that and I was telling her like sort of my idea. And she's like, yeah, just, you know, buy a truck. And then and I was like, but where am I going to go? She's like, oh, you'll figure it out. I was like, all right. <laughs> So I went on to eBay, mm-hmm. I literally bought a panel van, and I found someone in Peterborough to build it for me, and I went and visited him, and we talked about what it could have, um, and probably the most complicated thing about it was that I didn't know how to drive stick, uh-huh. so I needed to get the truck back from Peterborough to London, uh, and then continue to drive this thing. <laughs> Because it will be my, it's my job. And the, one of the busiest cities in the world. Yeah, and with really narrow roads. Sure. And the truck didn't have the proper mirrors on it, so the visibility was, you know, sometimes you were, you're, at times you were guessing. Yeah. So was it like a big UPS sort of van? So you think there's the panels? And... Um, no, I wish it was a UPS van. So it was, a, it was like a long wheelbase panel van. Okay. And we ripped the panel off and then put like a giant box on the back. Right. And then reinforced it um, because... Like two weeks in, the whole van ripped apart, and the whole truck ripped apart. So, what happened with the menu and the ingredients, and how long did all this take? Yeah, so I mean, um, so sort of timeline. I got here January like 2012, mm-hmm. and Bleaker traded for the first time in July. So, in between that time, the truck was made, and the menu was developed, and yeah. the suppliers were found. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had absolute clarity about the menu, like straightforward burgers, like, you know, cheeseburger, double cheeseburger, you know, we didn't even have the bacon cheeseburger start. It was just like straightforward. This is who we are. Take it or leave it. Um, so I started, you know, I, I found ginger pig pretty quickly, actually. Mm-hmm. They were who I started with. Um, 
And they were really kind to me. They, for several months, just gave me free samples. I would just go in and Tim, who was the owner, would make me up, a, tell the guys to make me up a batch of meat and then I'd bring it in my backpack home on the tube and then feed my family like way too many burgers. Um, my wife at the time was vegetarian, so that was quite interesting. <laughs> and she's not there? She's not now, wow. no. Um, the buns were much, much tougher. Mm. I, I couldn't find a bun anywhere. Like, I tried every bakery. Um, and then I just started walking the streets and going to every bakery I saw. And then I was in Shepherd's Bush one day and I walked into a sort of a, like it was a Malaysian bakery. And they had a small bag of what looked like dinner rolls. Like there were five dinner rolls. And I was, I was like, oh, what are these? And she was like, oh, it's just the extra dough we had. So I baked it off. Uh, she made like steamed buns. So I took a bite and I was like, oh, this is the bun. I was like, can you make these into burger buns and put sesame seeds on them? And that was... That was the beginning, and then they're still our, our, our supplier now. Is that how you use still there? Yeah. They're, they make magical buns. Well, do you know what's kind of funny? I, I, I used to work with a, a brand called Bunny Chin. I don't know if you've ever yeah, heard of Bunny yeah, Chin. Yeah, the they, South African ones, yeah. So yeah. They had a giant truck. They had a, they, well, they had a bling <laughs> truck. But um, they had uh, flatbreads as well, because yeah. they were trying to do a bit more kind of wraps and salads of work. Yeah. And this Iranian flatbread with like salt in it was... Between that and your bun and the cup, you know, that was things, as you see, just kind of sang, you were like, where did you get this, yeah. you know? It's just unbelievable. It is. Something's like, it's just, it, when things are that good, it's just sometimes hard to explain why. Yeah. And you don't really need to. Because no. it's like. Everyone will know. You need to talk more about things that have problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think your burger and bun and all these things, it actually looks iconic as well. So you don't have to know it's a Bleaker Burger post to know it's a Bleaker Burger. Whereas most other burgers around and actually in the world look kind of the same. So you've also got an iconic taste, but boy, have you got an iconic look for like Instagram and all these things as well. That's very nice of you to say. It, I it's mean, true. I think that about our burgers. Like I could spot them like my own child. Well, I don't have a child, but <laughs> if I did. <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's counterintuitive because you think they would stand out because they have some bell and whistles, but they have no... It's just... It's the most basic formula. Yeah. And I think also there's so many more premium burger brands that are too snobby to put sesame mm. seeds on the top of the bun. It's just kind of the way it is. I don't even understand that. Yeah. You know, it's like... McDonald's are the... They're the founders of, like, how could you not give them credit for yeah, starting the yeah, burger yeah. thing? And yeah. it's like, that's what everyone's first burger probably is. Maybe not now with the way kids eat, but yeah. uh, sesame seeds is, you know. It's part of it. That's why sesame seeds were invented. <laughs> that and hummus. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in terms of then setting up the menu and all the rest of it, first few days trading I mean how did you get awareness out how were you feeling you know what happened there yeah it was freaky as hell mm. um, I mean the truck was just so big uh-huh. and it was really hard to maneuver and I there was no like we, you didn't have GPS on your phones at the time so like I didn't really know how to get around so like for the first probably three months my mother-in-law went with me everywhere Right. She was like my in-house navigator. <laughs> and she would be like, go down that street, go down that street. And I was like, oh, Mimi, that's a bus lane. And she's like, oh, you know. Like, so we spent a lot of time at the beginning, like just sort of navigating ourselves around London. Uh, 
But we first started trading at this place called Red Market in Shoreditch. Okay. Um, and it's funny because I still know a lot of people from that first first set of trading. But uh, it was just it, you just have to like sort of send yourself over a cliff and just get into mm-hmm. it, as Patrick told me. Um, and it was like I just had no idea what I was doing, mm-hmm. and we just sort of, you know, I had two employees, and you know, I I wasn't really that great in the kitchen either so it was like I was learning that at the same time I know I was very clear on what I wanted but we had to figure out like the process to get there so I think probably some of the things we do now is when chef type people come in they're like you know what how did you get to this yeah yeah. you know because I was just sort of thinking like not by using experience yeah um but it was you know like I rallied every friend I had and you know all the family and they came and supported us um and I think there was a there at the time there were a lot of burger blogs yeah. um, and Burger Anarchy was and I knew about them I read about all of them and, and Burger Anarchy was one of them and they mm-hmm. came and I was like you know I was through the moon excited and they were they were absolutely hammered and they were the two guys yeah they were absolutely hammered and they were, they fell in love with the burger sauce and they asked for the entire bottle brought it back to their table and I was like oh this is awesome and what did they see then what did they see in the blog then. Yeah, they said it was, you know, I think it was, it filled sort of a gap mm-hmm. of a burger that, I mean, I think Meat Liquor probably were the first ones there to sort of have this more American type burger, but I think ours was a bit, they sort of were going for like the dirty angle, ours was more clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think they were happy, you know, that there was a burger place using American cheese. Mm-hmm. Because everyone was using every cheese but American cheese, yeah. so they were pretty happy. It's still my guilty pleasure, for sure. <laughs> just steaming it. And then, you know, what was the first six months like in terms of training? So you stayed at that place for how long? Uh, it was like off and on for a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. And then like we had the Olympics and then we were on Exhibition Road. And then there was like we were in Victoria Park. Mm-hmm for the Olympics and I remember that was like the, the busiest event we had done to date and we didn't have a ticket system at that point mm-hmm. and so on the tickets I was writing like girl with plaid shirt you know and then I looked up at the ticket board and everyone had a plaid shirt and I was like East London convention <laughs> yeah yeah. You know, so it was just like we were just in fire after fire. We really like learned through just absolute chaos, which was great. Yeah. You know, it was great. Like it was just I think it was so much fun. I think like I'm a naturally great street food trader. I think that's where like I am a naturally great skill like my skill set suits being a street food yeah, trader. Yeah, yeah. So I like came into my own You like the chaos and yeah. the craziness. And yeah, and like the you know just having fun with a lot of different other crazy people. <laughs> and then, so the name, was it coming just straight from Bleecker Street? Yeah. Or did, you, did you have an affinity with that? How did that come up? No, I think like I was, you know, I lived near there and like I was just playing with names and I was like, ah. like once I said it, you know, Bleecker Street oh. Burger, it just fit, you know, and there was no really turning back. And it was Bleecker Street Burger? Still is because well, I guess a lot of people are just calling it Bleaker, right? Or Bleaker Burger? They're just calling it Bleaker. Um, mm, depends who I'm speaking to. Like, Ooh. if I'm speaking to the utility guy, I say Bleaker Burger. Yeah. But um, it's a, I don't know. It's tricky. I think we're we'll, we'll always be we're registered as Bleaker Street Burger. Right. Um, I, I think Liam probably wants us to be known as Bleaker. Mm-hmm. But 
I yearn for the bleaker street sometimes. Yeah, it kind of grounds it and mm. you get a feeling of there because it's such an amazing area as well. Yeah, and it has like legitimate ties to street food. Yeah, So yeah, it yeah. sort of like, I mean, if I, if I hear bleaker street, like if I hear a customer now say bleaker street, I'd instantly think back to the truck. Mm. And how was that name free? Do you know that way you're sitting thinking, how in God's name was that not taken <laughs> by someone? I think, I think Bleaker.com is a car dealership. Uh-huh. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, I don't know. I think, like, if I was living in New York, would I name it Bleaker Street Burger? Probably not, right? Like, if I called it Baker Street Burger, people would be like, really? Uh, you yeah, know, it's yeah, like, yeah. I think that it has ties to a location that I came from as opposed to, like, where we're actually working mm. makes it work a bit more. And I think there's that currency with America, you know, UK, whether, whatever they say, are, most people are pretty drawn to it or yeah. obsessed by it or in love with it or have ties to it in some ways. So yeah, of course. It's it such an really amazing well. city. So, like, yeah, yeah. I can understand why it would instantly make it feel, like, I guess a bit more legitimate. Yeah. If it's true. <laughs> no, for sure. And then, so, once... That was good. So when was the moment you were like, right, this is proper. This is not a hobby. This is not, you know, this is going to work. This is going to get bigger. What sort of was the change? It was never, I never thought of it as a hobby. Uh-huh. I mean, I think I remember being in Snog in, Snow, in oh, Soho no. yeah, yeah. with my wife and she was like, it's really early days. And she was like, what if it doesn't work out? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't even want to hear it. Like, I think I'm a quite, I need to, I'm a positive person. So, mm-hmm. like, if I think about implications one way or the other, like, in a negative way, I don't really work. So, it was always like, we're doing this. I don't know to what scale it was going to get to, but I've always been really interested in growth because, like, at each stage as we grow, it gets a bit more exciting, more complicated, but, like, it's what really fuels me. So, yeah. it was always, like, a job. Uh, like a, an awesome job to have. Um, so I, I don't really have a clear point of like, I still probably don't know. It's hard to evaluate, yeah, yeah. I guess, to have to be really objective about how we're doing. Yeah. Because I'm so in it. But then having the confidence of the second. So what happened? Was that a second store? Was Spitalfields? Mm. Was that kind of the second thing? Yeah. So it was, a, I mean, we, we were a truck and doing like street food and South Bank and curb and driving around doing festivals. And then we had the opportunity to go into old Spitalfields market and it wasn't that big of a leap. Yeah. Right. We were going into a kiosk. Our truck could be there first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it didn't take a lot of money to build. So it seemed like the absolute, I needed to take that step. Yeah. It's what we needed. Um, and then I guess like each step has been a bit bigger. Like, you know, Victoria, was bigger than Spitalfields, yeah. and then Bloomberg was bigger than Victoria. Yeah, uh, I think we've hit our capacity of size of where I really want to go to. But yeah. you know, each one felt like a bit more serious, and then like I guess the collection of them all feels more serious. Mm. And then what changed then once you became the five? You know, how do you get your passion across? How do you engage with the culture? How you know mm. what? How did you manage all that? Uh, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not really managing it. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. You know, it's like when anytime a new person comes to into the business, mm-hmm. they're going to be 
better and more professional than I ever was. Mm-hmm. So it's like all this new knowledge is coming into the business and um, it's challenging because yeah. I try to hold on to what I know and what my strengths are and, and I guess my weaknesses are even more exposed. So it's really challenging and it's like, it's like the dynamics are really complicated. Yeah. And so the culture, obviously as you grow, gets more challenging mm-hmm. and culture, like it makes my brain hurt. Yeah. You know, it's like I, about a year ago I spent like several months on it and I was like really happy with it. And then I'm like, shit, this isn't right. And it's like, I had to go back to the drawing board a bit and it's like, I needed time out to rest, yeah. to go back in because yeah, it, yeah. it's really takes, it takes everything. Yeah. And it's like the most important thing. And I think, Obviously, you've got a great product, etc. But I think you know, any time that I've been, it's the people that you know have made the real difference. You know, they've been super engaged, really helpful. Nothing's too much trouble, and that's whether it's been Victoria or it's been Spitalfields or you know wherever. Um, I've not made it round to all of them yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what sort of size of team is it now? How many people? I think we're about the fifty. Team? Fifty. Yeah, that's not too terrible. No, it's you a know. lot of people. Yeah. And- Luckily, I'm really good with names, uh-huh. <laughs> so I, you know, and I like hearing about, you know, I'm, I'm quite interested in people's lives, so it's like, yeah. it's, it suits me to know, to like have that many people, I enjoy it. I understand that. Yeah. And what about the marketing side of things then? So when was the day that you felt you needed some help on that and to, you know, start looking at how to amplify the bleaker message? Um... I was told I needed help. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Liam's shaking his head. Is this, is this uh, the therapy session? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we were doing this um, burger competition called, um, it was like London Burger Bash. Okay. And it was run by Daniel Young. Mm-hmm. He does a lot with pizza now, but it was like a, literally a two and a half year competition um, that culminated in us winning with the Bleaker Black and Borough Market. Uh, but I'm sure you're going to ask about Luke we are going to ask about that in a bit yeah. uh, <laughs> so I met Liam uh, I think I met him like maybe a few a few months before the first round of that competition and then he saw I, mean, I, I can't remember exactly the facts I think he saw me post later on that we had been at some event sold 12 burgers or something mm-hmm uh, actually, actually, that came first. We were at the O2, and I uh-huh. tweeted that we had sold 12 burgers. <laughs> and he got in touch, and he was like, uh, you know, this can never happen. Like, <laughs> more people need to know about this burger. Yeah. And he was like, stop posting about Serena Williams on your Twitter. But, <laughs> you know, he's like, let me take that over. Yeah. So that was sort of the beginning, and it just... I think we were, as a street food business, much further ahead of other street food businesses in terms of marketing and branding because Liam came on so early. Yeah. Um, and I probably wouldn't have gone that way unless he sort of came to me. Yeah. And was it through social that you really saw the the boost or was there any other activity sort of going on? Did you do traditional stuff like PR or any of these things? What were you doing? No, it was, it was like all Liam through social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he like sort of, he was a food blogger himself, he had a burger blog, so he had like this sort of, he was close with sort of, I guess what we call influencers now, mm-hmm. that whole group of foodies, yeah. you know, he was naturally a part of them, so I think he had, 
you know, access through his friends to that community as well. And who do you sort of see as, you know, competitors in the market or, you know, other burger places and stuff like that? Who yeah. are you sort of watching and keeping yeah. an eye on? I mean, I just, I like, it's just fresh in my brain because I just recently thought about pricing. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, on the price comparison sheet, I put Five Guys, Shake Shack, Patty and Bun, Honest Burger, Byron, Black Bear Burger, and Burger and Beyond. Mm-hmm. So that's the main ones you said? Yeah, I mean, it's a collection of, you know, different price points of people in our market. Mm-hmm. So I guess then in terms of having, you know, the, the, the stores now and all the rest of it, what's next on that? Are you just going to kind of hold firm at that sort of level? Are you going to experiment into different areas or what are you thinking about that? Um, like, I really want to take Bleecker to 10, 10 sites in London. Um, like, I feel like I can get the business to 10 and I think the product can withstand 10. Mm-hmm. And then if we went further than that, I think someone would really need to prove to me that we could we could keep the level of excellence we do mm-hmm. and still be bigger. Because I have seen so many examples of brands that, um, you know, you always hear about the bigger brands, oh, they used to be good. I hear they used to be good. I never want that to happen to Bleaker. Yeah. I never want it used to be good. Well, I think it's so interesting in terms of what we're seeing in the market right now. If you look at most of the ones that are doing well in fast casual and you know mm-hmm. wider than burgers, you know you look at it and it's Dishum, it's Hawksmoor, you know it's these types of brands that have just been slow and steady, mm-hmm. slow and steady, not big explosions, not massive crowdfunding, not you know just take it easy. Yeah, chip, 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 chip. Yeah, and I, I, it feels like that's the new, you know, almost like slow food was a new fast food or whatever. It's yeah. kind of counterintuitive and. The investors won't want to hear that, by the way. Of course not. But, you know, I think it's good for the long term. Yeah, luckily I don't have any investors. Good. I mean, I do, but they're like my best friends and it's yeah, like yeah. a really small holding. But anyway. They're not yeah. going to give you a hard time. They live in America, so <laughs> like I sort of, you know. You can do fake news <laughs> yeah. and send it over. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. So, yeah, what about the black burger then? The bleaker black? Yeah, what happened? So, um, I had a... I'll just give a bit of history about the Bleaker Black. So I had a sort of blogger party at my house with the truck. Um, I invited all the food bloggers over that were like, you know, Liam and a lot more of other people like All Things Meaty and Uh like those kinds of people. And they they were friends as well, you know. Um, They really supported street food. And I think like our careers grew together, you know. Um, and I said that they could bring and everyone can bring anything they wanted to put on the burger so um, Liam had been like you know t- 
talking about clonic guilty black pudding, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, there's no way we're going to put black pudding on our American burger. Like, this is the strangest thing I've ever heard of. Like, was it Stormaway? No, no, clonic guilty. Yeah, so, so beef black pudding. Not Scottish. No, not Scottish, sorry. Sorry. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> it's too spongy. <laughs> yeah. It's too spongy. Um, and so Liam brought it to that party, and I tasted it, and I was like, oh, yeah, he might be right. So this is just the weirdest party. So Liam turns up with like a massive phallic. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what kind of party is this? Trying to prove his manhood. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yes, you put it on and then you were just like, what what the... Well, it was like, you know, it was obviously, it was, it was delicious. It was amazing. Like it was something that I had never tasted before. And Mm. I was just like, this is... So unusual. Um, and then we, you know, back to that burger bash, the finals of that were coming up. And we were like, maybe we should do it for that because we needed to be a bit out of the box, I think, to win it. But that's a risk as well because it could be masking some of the greatness of just what it is. Of course, of course. I think, I think that was my initial fear before I tasted it. Um, but it actually, like, our seasoning makes the beef sing, and then this made it sing that much more right. without, you know, dominating it. It was like a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, so we wrote the organizer and said, you know, what do you think about if we put this burger on? He's like, you know, it might polarize a lot of people. Like, you know, a lot of people might not like yeah. it. Um, so we're a bit nervous, but we put it on for that competition. So it hadn't been on the menu at all. Um, and we served, we probably served like five, 500 of them. And they were beautiful. And like, some people were hesitant to eat it. And then as soon as I said it was beef black pudding, everyone was okay. Yeah, I think there might have been like one out of the 500 that didn't want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone just absolutely loved it. And we won. Yeah. And we beat like, you know, Patty and Bun, Fred Smith. Like, it was a serious competition. You know, I thought that was the biggest thing that had ever happened to Bleaker at that point. Who else was in there? Was, was like Shake Shack in there? Yeah, Shake Shack, Hawksmoor. I mean, it had been two and a half years. So anyone who was in the burger world who had any sort of clout had been in the competition. Wow. It was... I- yeah. And then did it go on to the, it went on to the menu? Then it went on to I think it was under the counter for a while. Yeah, yeah. And then we and then we put it on the menu and it was like, you know, our it became our signature burger and it sort of I think it took Instagram I don't want to say by storm, but it was like such an Instagrammable burger mm-hmm. as well. And that I don't know if that I didn't I don't know, maybe that was Liam's intention from the beginning, but <laughs> I think, you know, it worked so well for that platform as well. Yeah. And it just took our, it was our Big Mac. Yeah. Right? It's or your McRib, because it's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> is it ever going to come back? I don't know. <laughs> That's, that was uh, touche. Um, I mean, so we're not allowed to cook medium rare. Uh-huh. Right, so we took it off the menu. Like Liam was like, "If we can't sell it as our, at our best, I don't want to sell it." So we and took that it off. Was the reason? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, oh, but the burgers you can do medium rare, no. right? No, you can't. No, no, no. We can't cook anything medium rare. So what? Is it just medium you're cooking them to then? It's, it's, it's a bit tricky because our uh-huh. beef, like, so you, we need to cook it to 75 degrees. Mm-hmm. And at 75 degrees, our burgers are still pink. So we think now in temperature as opposed to the traditional. Ah. So we cook to 75 degrees. Yeah. Um, 
and it still has some pink in it. Because I've been asked that quite a lot of times, going, how, how can they get yeah. away with it? Is yeah, it no, we're not getting away with it. Yeah. We're cooking to 75 and it's just, it's just pink, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, As luck it, would have it. It just, I mean, it, it surprised me. I, 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 after we told we couldn't do it, like, I spent so much time sort of temperature probing meat and, mm. like, I was like, I remember sending pictures to Liam being like, you would not believe the temperature of this burger because it looks medium rare. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I we work very hard to try to to cook medium rare. It's quite challenging and it's mm. quite cost prohibitive and it's it's just a really hard set of circumstances. But um, I think maybe we'll... I'm hoping we might have some traction and the, you know, our Fleeker Black comes back maybe sometime during the summer. Yeah. Well, exciting. I mean, it's every customer, you know, every customer that knows. Today in Victoria, I was sitting down and someone came up to me and they were like, uh, when's the Bleaker Black coming back? Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, it's like we just get it all the time. Well, it, it's a real kind of 50-50, isn't it? Because you want to keep that up. It's almost like, it's one of my favourite bands in the world was the Stone Rosies. And when they came back, it was a bit like, oh. You know, it's kind of like the Smiths reforming or whatever, you know. It's just like, actually, your memories of it are probably... No, it, it's not. I had a bleaker black, like, recently. It's, it's not, it's it's not all about the memories. It's, yes, it's, <laughs> the comeback will be as strong. <laughs> no, but you know that way, because you've built us. Yeah, you're trapped in a memory. Or, you know yeah. what I mean? And you're just like, ah. Oh. But, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's a good thing. And then what about things like delivery and stuff like that? You know, Deliveroo and any yeah. other partners and stuff. How have you found that? Well, I mean, it's it's a it's an important part of our business, mm-hmm. and I think the the appetite for delivered food is only getting bigger. I mean, coming from New York, it was massive when I left in two thousand and eleven. You know, every meal people it was still got huge, to. Yeah. Oh yeah, massive, yeah. massive. Like it was, it's just always sort of been huge in New York. I think because groceries are so expensive. Right. Um, and then when I came here, like it just wasn't. It didn't. You know, I remember like trying to get something delivered, and it was like only not great food options. Mm. Uh, and then like probably the last like year and a half, mm. it's just, it's just they've absolutely penetrated the market. Yeah. yeah. Seems like everyone gets their food delivered now. Well, I mean, I'm here, you know, at this hotel a couple mm. of nights a week and that's what you're doing. You know, say yeah. there's something in the bar or, you know, you'll order a bleaker or whatever. Yeah. But it does, um, it still, you know, it does travel well with your stuff. You know, there's so much. Does it? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, you know, I mean, you're coming down a little bit in your yeah. expectation, but it was more than good enough. But yeah, some some things you get to which are like, Yeah, we struggle know. with it because I think, like, fundamentally, like, burgers are not the kind of food to get delivered, right? You should get sushi delivered, right? You should get, like, uh, like noodles delivered. Like, those things travel really well. Um, but burgers, and especially fries, like, fries you know, it's, it, it's supposed to be eaten pretty soon after you order it. Luckily, like, they're getting better at delivery, so, like, you can have your food within sort of sub-15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but it was like, you know, what do we do here? Um, if we don't get on, if we don't get on this bandwagon, like we're going to be run over by it. Um, and when I initially started the business, I wanted to do delivery because like where I had worked as ITF in New York, like they, they delivered so much of their food. So when I first got here, I was like, Oh, let's hire cyclists. Let's deliver our own food. But the demand wasn't there. So it sort of like went full circle. And now it's like people really want our food delivered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Five Guys seem to do quite a good job. I think wrapping up in the foil and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, foil, really, I think, would be a good... 
really helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are you thinking about the state of the market? So what are you seeing in terms of trading and any mm. concerns and Brexit and all these lovely things? Yeah, I think, like, you know, when the sort of bigger players started to have a bit of trouble, mm-hmm. it didn't really worry me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think, like, people were overexposed, overextended, like, their food quality had been dropping. Like, naturally, over time, people's desire for better food has been increasing. Like, but then, like, I started to hear about, you know, smaller businesses with better products starting to sort of go under a bit and that made me a bit nervous but I think we're producing what people want right now Uh you know we're really transparent about our food we're we try to be best in class like you know we're amenable to a lot of different people like you can come in pretty easily like it's accessible like get your food spend a bit of time with us and then go and so it's we're really approachable I think and so we're I think we're situated well and we're not, we, we don't, we don't have big expensive builds, yeah. you know, so we have small locations. We're pretty reasonable with like how much we spend on them. Um, and we're not doing anything too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it was just pleasing to see like earlier on, I was walking up here from Victoria and looked pretty full, you know, and yeah. obviously you've had some competition pop up. Well, right we have Shake Shack right across the road, right? You can Shake Shack, you've got the whole Nova complex, mm. you've got um, the station, obviously, and then you've got Market Halls, so yeah. all that added up. But then the argument would be more people are coming to that area, so... Yeah, I mean, we saw it um, at Spitalfields, uh-huh. where the landlord just kept piling more and more people in, and I think if your food's really great, it will only help you. Yeah. I mean, this, and especially in Victoria. I mean, we, we opened, you know, not like Bangbuster. Bang, yeah, what's the word? Gangbusters. Gangbusters. Yes. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> that Spanish guy. <laughs> um, you know, it was fine. It was yeah. good. And then as as Nova opened, as you know, more people came to look at it, started to grow and grow and grow. And it's like, it's it's awesome to have all these other great operators around us. Yeah, yeah. I guess the other thing I was thinking about was um, the charity side of things. So yeah. you're super kind on that angle when not a lot of people are. Um, so yeah, you, you donated all your profits the other day. Yeah, so we're, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if, it, I don't know if kind's the right word. We're, we're, we do things we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's no, uh, like, bullshit at Bleaker, right? There really isn't. Like, we just do what we love. And the, the March 1st uh, fundraising day was, like, to help mm-hmm. people with addiction and mental health. And it was, you know, it was a memory of my brother who suffered from that. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, we're, you know, I'm deeply passionate about it, like, you know, Mark used to work for the business, so and Liam has just sort of uh, taken it on board and like yeah. really run with it. Yeah, and he's really been my voice on it when I couldn't have a voice. Yeah, so makes sense. Yeah. I just think it was such a standout thing to do, mm. and it was really noticeable. You know, like on social media, you know, and it wasn't you know like crass or It just was well documented in what mm. you were doing and there was a lot of support which I thought was absolutely fantastic. So yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean there was so much it was unbelievable how much support there was yeah. and it was like it 
it was our single biggest trading day ever. Yeah. So it was like, geez, like yeah, yeah. it was amazing nice. for, for a day that like should cause me a bit of anguish. Like it would turn out to be like a really great day. Yeah. Yeah. So, real celebration. Yeah. And then what about um, things like, you know, I think we first got in touch the other week actually, mm. when uh, Liam got in touch with me, he showed me the, the, the International Women's Day video. Um, and I think, I, I guess Liam, you were sort of saying, what do you think and what do you think, some advice and things like that. And just had a look and I was like, this is fucking brilliant, you know? <laughs> um, and then, so I shared it as much as I possibly could. We mm. started chatting about it. but. How long was that in the, the thinking, the planning? Was it something you were doing anyway? How did it, how did it all come about? Uh, I'm trying to remember when it came about, but like it was all led by Liam. I think no. Liam like has uh, like a natural ability to see things that are important and make them be a priority. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like the vision used to be just about burgers and now it's about burgers and diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. and the reason why it's part of the vision now is because I I started talking about it a lot more and it started to become really sort of important to me and I I was talking about it quite a bit and Liam said like this is too important not to be part of the vision so like he sort of pushed that up you know so he sees these sort of things happening and brings light to them, I guess. Yeah. So he, I can't, it wasn't that long ago. It was probably the beginning of the, of this quarter because it was one of his objectives yeah. to bring this video to life. <laughs> um, and he, you know, I think he wanted to make something and he was looking for other areas to see how to make it and what it should be. And he said he couldn't find anything that really spoke to him about this, how we should do this video. But I mean, I think he just thought like it, it just came to him that he should just sort of highlight what the vision is and like who I am and who the, the women and yeah. in the business are. And it, he, we did it all in one day. Um, was it one day? Yeah. Wow. And it just turned out to be like, it was a great day. Mm. Um, and it was like, like a great day for the business. Like it felt like you could sort of feel the team yeah. coming together and it, it just, you know, it felt right. Yeah. I think um, the really nice thing about it is there's a few things. In terms of content terms, you've got a year's worth of content in that one video. You know, if they've just got to submit it, you know, there's so much you could do with that. Um, obviously, you could spin off into, you know, speeches about it and, you know, there's just so many things. But the, the, the other thing I was just thinking was like how evergreen it is. You know, you don't have to do another video for a long time that that will still be relevant mm. five six seven eight nine ten years time I'm assuming you know with the way things are so I just thought it was like an iconic piece of video right amount of time right stuff going on that's so nice yeah that's so nice yeah it was amazing yeah, yeah. I wouldn't see these things lately I'm yeah. usually I'm usually bashing things and he hasn't paid me any money or anything <laughs> like that um but no I just it, it just what, what surprises me so much about brands in our market is they'll say things like, I want to get this message out, I want to tell this story, I want to... And they make it too complicated and too difficult, and it's just like, well, just say it and get it out there. It's quite simple. Yeah, I think that that's you know? a really good example because, like, I was trying to overcomplicate the video, yeah. and Liam's like, no, no, we just have to, you Stay know. He was like, we'll just need to, we just need to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, yeah, I was causing a bit more chaos than I probably needed. <laughs> 
So um, I'm thinking about your time as well. So there's a lot of last few things I was just going to try and cover before you probably need to run off. But um, I was thinking about lessons learned and things like that. So successes, you know, over, you know, if you look back on the, and I still can't believe it's only been, what did you say, six years? Yeah. Something like that. I mean, it seems like way longer you've been in my life. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, something like that. What what are the what are the wins? What are the moments that you look back and go, God, we really got that right then, or the best days at work, or what yeah. happened? I mean, it's tricky. I think like one of my biggest weaknesses is probably celebrating okay. wins. That's normal. Like, <laughs> I. Uh, but you know, looking back, you know, so uh, you know, getting the truck going that obviously was <laughs> pretty monumental. Push the stick issues. Yeah. <laughs> post post stick issues. You know, opening. In like opening on the South Bank, yeah, um, being like a central figure for Curb and Street Feast, like getting our first real shop mm-hmm. um, at Victoria with a door, I think was pretty monumental. Like, it's funny because I did the design for Victoria very badly. Right, it's a horribly designed place, and I was so like moved and emotional that we actually had a shop. I didn't even notice how bad it was. It took me like two months to realize this design is horrible. We have to change it. But like, it's like these, these different steps within the business, like good and bad really like take such an emotional toll, I guess. Yeah. Um, You know, both ways. Sure. And then obviously like bringing new, exciting people into the business Mm -hmm. is always like, those are always like big moments Um, and and it's just signs of growth as well we just hired a financial controller you know it's like wow I had a financial controller (laughs) two months ago I didn't know what a financial controller was you know so that that marks progress Um, you know so being able to raise that much money I think for for hospitality action and that it's a goal next year to sort of double that amount of money Mm -hmm. um, that Possibly we might be known as a business that celebrates diversity. I think that's like really, really has an impact on me. Yeah. That could be just such a, an interesting thing of, you know, asking other like-minded people and businesses to get involved in that mm. as well. You know, it could be quite interesting. Um, and what about lessons learned on the, what did he say, areas for development, areas for opportunity? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, what, what's the kind of challenges that you think, God, I wouldn't do that again? Um, I think we, challenges set, it's, it's, it's like when we open, like for instance, we opened a, Canary, a street food container in Canary Wharf mm-hmm. and I so desperately wanted to be in Canary Wharf um, and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Like we spent a year sort of breaking even and it was like, that lesson was like, it's okay to walk away. Like, you know, not everything has to work. You know, it's okay if it doesn't work. And that was a huge lesson. You know, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We just need to sort of regroup and see where we are. So that was like a major moment for me, I think. Why didn't it work, do you think? We didn't have like, we were sort of off the beaten trail there. Right. We were in sort of this wood wharf area and there, weren't any, there wasn't anyone really around us. And when we were busy, we were too busy. Right. So like we we I didn't have the operational know how to get us past this hump. Mm. Um, so you know it, it's it's important to me that we go back there and really crush Canary Wharf. Yeah, yeah, that's it. that's that's in my mind. I'd like a bleaker tower. 
Yeah. So, so, so you get it right in the middle of it. We had a Liam's marketing thing for that was the bat signal with the burger in the air <laughs> shining <laughs> on the buildings. I'm going to Canary Wharf on Friday actually, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I used to work down there. I, had, I worked for Bartley Card for a little while, and yeah, man, I did like leave my soul at the yeah. front door and go into my job and yeah. go back out and get it in the way. <laughs> it's just it's an odd it's an odd place. It's a very strange place. Yeah. Um, something different the vibes are very different yeah. down there. and I think also like sometimes I try to solve problems alone mm-hmm. you know like there are people out there that can help yeah. like people with specific areas of expertise that like I really need to draw on more yeah because um, I guess like when you're well for me like starting my own business is like you're, you're so alone for so long mm-hmm. and you have to sort of problem things problem solve things yourself in every arena that that sort of lives with you. Yeah. You sort of got to get out of that mode. You don't let other people in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I hear you. It's <laughs> happened to me too. Um, <clears throat> so some fun stuff then. Um, we've started this new Mark Out of 10 feature. Yeah. Um, just at the end. So it was just for a bit of frivolous fun, really. Yeah. Um, so best city to eat in in the world? Uh, probably Istanbul. Ah. Yeah. I mean, it was... It's unbelievable there. It's just like... There's so many like pockets of different kinds of food and it's like everywhere you go, it feels like a journey. Yeah. Um, they have this, I don't know if you've been, but they, been, yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you know that clotted cream that they have for breakfast? Yes. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like, uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty special. Yeah. Um, best restaurant that you've ever been to? Um, I mean, this question, like, I think lives in memory. Like, Uh it's, like, around circumstances. So, like, there was this... I grew up in a town called Greenwich, Connecticut, and there was this steakhouse called Bonero's, and, like, we would only go there for really special occasions, and it was, like, I could have, like, a big steak, medium rare all to myself, and that sort of, like, has always stuck with me. (laughs) That was the place. Yeah, the place. And does that cover best meal, favorite Mm -hmm. dish? Best, my best meal was like when I graduated from high school, my parents took me out to this restaurant and there was, it was this like cream of mussel soup, which oh. sounds a bit, I don't know, but it like, it was an unbelievable dish. And I, you know, I, I feel like I'm forever chasing that soup. Yeah. Well, new menu seasonal. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oyster burger, mussel burger. Uh, best drink what's your go to or what's the best thing my best drink I like I mean for 10 years in New York I drank vodka soda that's it <laughs> that was the, literally the only thing I drank um, you know best drink uh, like I love <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. T's tomato juice well interesting <laughs> so, um, I've just discovered the Bloody Mary or the Virgin Mary at any of the Soho House places so Chaconis or you know the Ned or yeah. whatever Jesus, it great. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> just have like a bath full of that and no, no dinner. It was just like, I don't know what it is. Just, it's that thing. It, it, is, just, it has know, that thing. Yeah. They're like, drawn yeah, in. It's probably all the sodium. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and then, name and shame, worst meal ever. Oh, it's the gosh. Worst. My worst meal ever. Like, oh, God. <laughs> My worst. I don't want to name the place because it's in London but it, and it's an amazing restaurant but like I went there with my entire family and like we needed to do the um, tasting menu and they didn't want to do that and I didn't prep them for that right so like 
we like had a blow up with the staff right. and I was like, holy shit, how has this happened? Like in my own industry, like, yeah. and it was like, I didn't even eat anything. And it was the worst meal of my life. I was like, this is horrible. Like my whole family stormed out. I was like, how has this happened? Can you tell me after though? You made me. Okay. Um, and then the last thing really, just to, to get one last piece of advice is anyone thinking about, you know, quitting what they're doing to do something they love or rebooting the business that they have, what's your sort of tips on that? I mean, the the starting a business for passion, like, I think y- you have to do it. Like, mm. and it's so, it's it's it, it can be terrifying and it's just like, you have to like, you really have to throw yourself over the cliff. Yeah. You just do because missing an opportunity to do something, it sounds so cliche, but missing the opportunity to do something that you love is like, what would be like, I think a massive regret for someone and they have no idea how fulfilling and awesome it can be. Mm-hmm. Like thinking you're passionate about something and then doing it and being that passionate about it. That's like another level. Yeah. So it's, of course it's risky and it depends on your circumstances. And like, I am a pretty privileged person. So I had the opportunity to do that. Um, so I think if you have a set of circumstances that allows you to do it, you should. And for the people that can't one day, I'd like to help them. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That would be a good thing. Mm. Excellent. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go. Yeah. So thanks so much for sharing your yeah. story with us. Yeah, and no, tell us you. about, Bleaker Street Burger. Bleaker Street Burger. Company yeah. Limited. Oh, <laughs> it's Sunday name. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you. It's been a real blast to meet you. So yeah. thanks so yeah, much. Yeah, no, no, I've had a good time. Thank you. Great. We've been living a lot of memories. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. So how about that? What an incredible person, an incredible positive spirit, incredible human being, and business person, Zan Kaufman from Bleaker Street Burger. Bleaker has only went up in my estimations after meeting Zan and actually spending time with Liam as well. What a lovely bunch of people, what a lovely outlook in life and what a lovely environment to work in. So do check out Bleaker Street Burger, Bleaker Burger, Bleaker, whatever you want to call it if you're out and about in London. So thanks again to Gaz and Gabby for all of their help in putting together the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. A huge thanks to all of you that are continuing to listen. The listener figures are growing, which is really exciting. And also just thanks for all your messages and DMs and all these things of support. It really means a lot to us. Thanks also to our sponsor, BDO, who have continued to support us, which is really exciting. And we're really chuffed to bits that they invested and are supporting us on our journey in the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you for listening. And I hope that we've given you some really great insight, tips and advice on how to make your brand boom. Boom.